0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the About to Review podcast. Here to amplify diverse voices in media, I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. It is listed everywhere. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher, and all of the other podcatchers out there. You can also stream the episodes directly from the website abouttoreview.com which is where you can find full links to the show notes and guests if you want to support the show. You can also do that from the website and the description right below this right here episode. Uh, There's a direct PayPal link. There's also an Amazon wish list if you want to pick up something that would help out the studio. That would be fantastic. You can also subscribe to social media. Can you tell? It has been a while since I did an episode. Took a couple weeks off for the holidays. A little bit rusty. Uh, But yes, follow on social media at About to Review on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And also YouTube.com slash About to Review. The exciting thing that is going on right now with the first episode of 2020 coming at you a couple weeks into the new year is Renton City Comic Con is doing their... Northwest Geek Awards once again. Uh, Listeners of the podcast might remember that the last time they did this, which was actually two years ago, uh, I won the coveted Geek of the Year Award. So thank you to everybody who helped out back then. And since it is happening again, I would love your help in the nomination phase and also the final voting phase, which is happening right now. Now, uh, the nomination phase actually is ending on the 15th of January, but then hopefully if I make the finalist round, that voting will start on January 16th. So I will put the link in the description below. You actually have to go to the Renton City Comic Con uh, website and then scroll down a little bit, click the vote link, and then you can go from there. It got a little bit confusing with a direct link, so I will put a little bit of a description in the Uh, Yeah, links down below. On this week's episode, I'm only going to be reviewing one film. Why? Because it is January and not much has come out yet. Um, I will be doing my top 10 episode or top 10 films of 2019 recap episode probably next week because next week there's also only going to be like one movie coming out, so... Slim Pickens on that front, but today I will be reviewing the new film Underwater. Before I go into that review, I will go to the original theme song created by Damian Randall of Ill-Mannered Media. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. To get ourselves a treat. Diving right in to this review. Get it? Diving. Water. Underwater. All right, crickets. Uh, The review for this episode is Underwater. Now, this is the new, uh, I mean, I guess horror movie. I would call it more of a thriller, like a psychological thriller with some horror elements. But I, I would not really call this one direct horror, but I'm sure a lot of people are. That was one of the first questions I got when I put up on social media that I was at this press screening. Everybody was like, let me know how scary it is. Let me know how many jump scares, if I could handle it. So there are some people who, you know, could be justifiable in their description of this being a horror film. But yeah, I would say it would be more thriller-esque. It is directed by William Eubank, this guy is, you know, young in his professional career as a director, but is already kind of really, you know, finding his niche. And that is these isolationist type of movies. He did a movie called The Signal in 2014 with Brenton Thwaites. Uh, is it Thwaites or Thwaite? Is there one more of him? Nope, it is plural. Brenton Thwaites. Uh, that was in 2014, and then he did Love in 2011. Both of those movies really kind of play on this isolationist type of situation. One of them, a young guy kind of gets kidnapped by this guy who puts him through these weird games. The other one, a guy is orbiting Earth. And in this one, there are people pretty much stranded at the bottom of the ocean. The premise of this film centers around kind of this intrepid crew, this kind of ragtag crew of, they say explorers and researchers who are at the bottom of the ocean, but there's just this massive drill that has been mining into the Earth's core, Earth's crust, for something. We never really find out what they are drilling for. Is it oil? Is it some other natural resource? We never really get to know that. But, This team of researchers is at the bottom of the ocean with this big drill, drilling through the ocean, or not drilling through the ocean, drilling through, you know, the crust of the ocean floor, and of course, what do they do? They awaken something, some sort of creature that has been undisturbed for millennia and blah-de-blah. You kind of know what you are getting into when you go into a movie like this. We have not had a kind of underwater monster movie in a while. You know, cinephiles will remember way back 30 years ago. In the year 1989, there were like five or six underwater horror monster movies that came out in pretty much 12 months. So, I mean, of course, the big one being The Abyss which everybody, you know, remembers. It is a beautiful movie, and it really touches on kind of the human emotions. There's things like The Sphere, which came out in the 90s, but in 89, you had movies like Deep Star 6, The Evil Below, Leviathan, Lords of the Deep, so many of these underwater monster movies where humans, being humans, awaken something that they should never have awakened. They drilled somewhere they should never have drilled. They are just... There in a place where they should never be. So, in this film, we get Kristen Stewart, uh, Jessica Henwick, Vincent Cassell, who is amazing. I love that guy and everything. John Gallagher Jr., uh, a couple other actors who I did not really know about. Uh, an actor who I did know about, and I was really sick of him in the first five minutes, and that would be TJ Miller. Uh, TJ Miller got canceled, quote unquote, a couple years ago because. He is incredibly problematic. This film, unlike Ready Player One, it was pretty much impossible to cut his character out of it. After all of his problematic stints, you know, he kind of stopped getting work and they really started to pull his roles from movies that he had already done. But in this one, just the structure of the film would make that damn near impossible. So we had to kind of deal with him in the film And that kind of ties into why this movie even kind of happened. This movie was filmed in 2017, but with the Fox-Disney merger, it just got benched for a long time. So when T.J. Miller was still active, that was when this was getting filmed. So you have to kind of deal with him in this movie, and it just it really, within the first few minutes... I I was kind of just done with it, but I had to just put it in the back of my mind and just try and get absorbed into the movie itself. Some of the positives about this movie, so Kristen Stewart is really solid. I like her as an actress. Unfortunately, both her and Robert Pattinson get this unnecessary and undeserved hate on them because of the Twilight films, which they did when they were very young in their acting career, and that is just unfair. Robert Pattinson has proved time and time again he is really good. I like him a lot. Kristen Stewart has proved that she is also really solid. So she is able to carry this film. My issue with her character, and this is not necessarily something that maybe she could control, for most of the movie, the movie finds a way to have her be half naked for really no reason Whatsoever. We see her getting inside and out of. You know these suits. And everything. They're just walking around. Either without pants on. Or without a shirt on. When none of the other characters do that. I am not sure why they decided. That was the choice they wanted to make. But it is there. Anyway. So with the costuming. That was actually a big highlight for me. The underwater kind of, I mean, kind of scuba suits. They are more similar to spacesuits that the characters wear in this film are incredible. They have this very kind of Gears of War or Warhammer, you know, type of vibe with them. They're big, they're bulky, they have, you know, dials and switches. Even though this takes place in, we'll say the near future, they're not these crazy tech suits like they feel grungy they feel lived in and I liked that aspect a lot there are some of course you know fantasy elements kind of in the heads-up display in the helmet and a couple of the things on their suit but in general you have just these big bulky suits and it just it really fit the tone and kind of the the world of this subterranean or underwater station where the movie takes place. One of the other things, you know, that I liked, but I also had an issue with, the creature design was interesting when we got to see it. This film takes a very Lovecraftian approach to its monsters. And by that, I mean the author, H.P. Lovecraft, who was this legendary writer with a very problematic uh, name for his cat. Go ahead and Google that. Um but Lovecraft was known for writing these horror stories where it would be describing the monster and it would be like The Monster, it was an unspeakable evil. It was undescribable. If I described it, your ears would bleed, your eyes would melt. So I am not going to describe it, but trust me, it was a creature unlike anything you have ever seen. And that was it. And they're like, really, dude? Like, I, I get kind of the tell-do-not-show type of aspect, and that was what this movie did. We get these really fast creatures that we see darting around and attacking people. We only really get a good look at them three, four times, and we get one really cool scene where we see one of them kind of trying to feed and that was, that was an interesting take, but they're kind of these humanoid underwater creatures. And so again, I, I liked the design, the, uh, shall I say leader the, the main Kaiju of this film is this giant monstrosity, which again, we see in flashes And we see in little bits of explosions. And we see here and there. And it is terrifying. It is a giant, grotesque monster. But come on. Like, give us something. And and again, the opposite of these films are those films from the 80s. Where in Leviathan, you have this creature design, this practical creature. And it is silly and it is weird to look at and it is sometimes comical to see, but there were still some really cool practical effects. This, nothing was real. The, I mean, at least it did not feel that way, that there was ever a real kind of model creature anywhere near the actors. And you can tell that when they're working kind of in the space and in, you know, the just walking around, you can tell when something is still there, this, I never really felt that. And that, that kind of took me out of it a little bit. I miss the days like the alien and aliens and predator where it was fantastical. You had these weird concepts, but there was there was this tinge of reality where it was like, this is a tangible creature that I can reach out well, and get my hand chopped off or eaten, but it was there. In this one, There was just, there was not that type of physical connection. So a little bit of a knock on that. When it comes to the visual effects and the cinematography, that was also really cool. As you see the characters kind of walking underwater, there are all of these particulates kind of going around them. And just kind of this desolate seascape. And that was done well. It reminded me of the local film, local sci-fi film, Prospect, from last year. Where that one, that was above ground, you know, and they were in spacesuits, for lack of a better term. And again, they chose to make all of these particulates in the air. You know, they filmed here in Washington on the Olympic Peninsula in a rainforest, but they added these like just kind of twinkles and this dust in the air and it made it feel more alien. In this film, we get that same type of feeling where as they're looking around and it is tight confined space in their spacesuit or diving suit as it were. And as they turn, they're not seeing anything except for this just dust. So that was really cool. When it comes to the actual mechanics of the diving suit, here here is me going a little bit nerdy because I have always been obsessed with deep sea exploration and the X creatures and things like that. If you are just in the dark, in general, if you're camping or anything like that, and it is pitch black and you use a white light, that is a terrible idea. It actually makes your pupils contract, therefore limiting your vision. The reason that you see submarines and, you know, other or other submersibles on planet Earth and everything, they will use red light. Red light reflects differently and it actually makes your pupils expand and increases your vision in the night. So there's a little tip for you here on the About to Review podcast. Uh, If you are camping just get a little red filter for your flashlight and you can still see everything and it will actually help your vision. Here we have in the near future these crazy advanced diving suits at the bottom of the ocean where there is no light except for the artificial light from the station itself. And they have multiple beams of white light shining everywhere. That I mean, I get it from a costume design perspective. From a practical perspective, I understand why they did it. It was just a little bit weird to me. Uh, but of course, you know, again, as the movie progresses, these creatures are unleashed. They have to get from... A to B to C to try and escape, calamity happens, hilarity ensues, and devastation occurs multiple times to multiple characters. Uh, This also relied on the oldest horror trope in the book. As soon as I saw this young black researcher and they're talking about their plan and what they're going to do and they start putting on their diving suit... I'm just looking at this guy, and I'm like, no, come on, brother. Do not do this. Do not... Oh, and of course, first to go. This is 2020, people. Granted, this movie was filmed three years ago. Can we please not have the black guy die first? Just please, in any horror movie, that would be great. I would love to see that. Uh, Anyway, moving on. It. it this is a very stock standard, underwater creature movie without the connection, whether it is the human connection or the metaphysical connection of a film like The Abyss, this tries to go in the just more horror direction of an alien or aliens type, but it really without that physical presence of the creature, it never really feels real and never really I, you never really care about these characters as much because it, you never really felt like they were in that much danger it is scarier in the moments when they're just dealing with a crack in their suit or the pressure is getting to them or an oxygen tank you know is getting depleted those moments are terrifying because that is reality like that when you watch divers and you watch these terrible you know rescues of underwater things like That is harrowing. I just wish they had spent more time on the actual creatures and making them feel like true characters in this film. So, with all of that being said, the rating system for the About to Review podcast, if this is your first time listening, there are only three choices, no letter grades, no stars. Three choices are good, bad, or ugly. A good film is something you would recommend to a friend. A bad film is something that was just kind of meh. And an ugly is a void at all costs. Uh, I really liked the costume design of this film. I really liked the the way it was shot, the cinematography. There are some really cool, just kind of underwater style filming techniques. And there is a true tension in some of the underwater moments. Kristen Stewart's great. Vincent Cassell can do no wrong. I love him and everything. He is super creepy in this. He kind of runs the station. And it feels like he knows something more than what he is leading on. But we never really get to that. So those characters are good. TJ Miller was terrible. And I wish he was not in this. But there's nothing we can do about that. The rest of the supporting cast was good. But this really is the Kristen Stewart show. And and she did well. But with the terrible uh, lack of ambition, I will say, with not having the creatures feel like real characters uh, and just putting them in shadows and smoke like a DC movie. I got to give this a bad uh, to something where it would be kind of cool to see it on the big screen, but do not be in a rush to go see this. Uh, it was kind of fun. It was kind of campy. There were some scary moments. Definitely had a couple jump scares, but that was it. Other than that, it just kind of left you feeling empty. So it gets bad from me. So the first uh, reviewed film of 2020 gets bad. I hope it goes up from here. Uh, So thank you so much for listening. Uh, We will get back to our regularly scheduled programming of every Wednesday dropping new episodes. Uh, Yeah, took a couple weeks off for the holidays. Let people kind of rest, recuperate. I was sick also during the holidays, which was not fun at all. But yes, we will get back to those. In the meantime, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your podcast platform of choice. Follow the podcast on social media at About to Review, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, youtube.com slash Review, and abouttreeview.com, where you can find direct links to show notes, guests, and please nominate me and the podcast uh, in the Renton City Comic Con Geek Awards. There are two categories. Question number eight is uh, Favorite Northwest Podcast. And question nine is Geek of the Year. Uh, If you could nominate for About to Review for Favorite Northwest Podcast and John Reviewer for Geek of the Year, that would be amazing. And as soon as the finalists are announced, I will definitely update that link and have people uh, get access to that as well. Thank you so much for your support in 2019. I'm looking very much to 2020 and putting 2019 far, far behind me and all of the issues that that happened in 2019. Looking forward to meeting more of you in 2020. I'm going to be out in the public eye in 2020 in a few different areas, which I will give you updates on when they start to happen. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. And that wraps it up for this week's episode. So I have been your host, as always, that guy named John, and we will see you next time.